When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode of SFF Yeah! is brought to you by Book Riot Insiders, the digital bookish resource and hangout spot for readers. Enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to insiders, short story, novel, and the epic level, and you can try any level out for free for two weeks. For podcast lovers, meaning you, insiders at the novel and epic level get access to two exclusive shows, the Read Harder podcast, which gives recommendations for the Read Harder challenge task by task, and Book Riot Remixed, where we randomly pair a post from across our shows to talk about, well, whatever they want. Insiders also get exclusive access to bookish deals, behind-the-scenes newsletters, our new release index, the Epic Book Club, and more. Sign up for your free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 105, and we're recording on May 28th. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you, as usual, from Book Riot. And today, we're making Muppet Arms about fan art and cover art, which is super fun and something I never expected to have an opportunity to talk about and fall into the rabbit hole of because that absolutely happened. (laughs) It was, this was so much fun to research. I, like my Tumblr just became 100% reblogs of all of my favorite fan art that I was finding during the course of this. Yeah, I was remembering that you were uh, big into Tumblr for a while there and still use it, right? Yeah, I took a I took a long break. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I stopped using it when they passed the updated like guidelines around mm-hmm. photos of nipples, basically, yeah. which was <laughs> extremely that. obnoxious. And it was I think the uh, screening tools must have gotten better because For a while, just everything I posted there was getting flagged. Pictures of, like, anything. And I was like, all right, I'm done. Like, this is unusable. Um, But, yes, I recently returned because I missed it. And it was it's such it's been so nice. I forgot how much like (laughs) Tumblr is my Internet home as much as I like, you know, Instagram and some of the other platforms. Tumblr is my Internet home. I loved it. And boy, let me tell you, if you are looking for a place to explore fan art, there is nowhere better. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because I saw one of your links, uh, which we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. later. And I was like, Tumblr, that's (laughs) right. This is a great place to go looking. And I definitely I used to use Tumblr as well and had all sorts of like feels about wanting to get back to it because there's so much good stuff there with the fan art. And just the fandom in general, mm-hmm. that culture is fantastic. So, yeah, it sure is. So many good things coming from this one. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so we have news to talk about and obviously lots of art to talk about. But before Mm -hmm. we do that, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, which is Emporia State University's School of Library and Information Management. The Masters of Library Science program at Emporia State University is an ALA-accredited program that offers you the flexibility of online classes while also giving you a community of peers to build your professional network. Through a combination of instruction, students are able to form deep connections to the coursework, professors, other students, and practicing professionals in libraries. ESU offers a quick and affordable way to earn your MLS, with most students completing their degree in two years, even while working a full-time job. To learn more, visit their website at www.emporia.edu S-L-I-M. And they have affordable tuition rates and scholarships are also available. And there are matching funds for diversity scholarship winners, which is very nice to hear. So if you have been dreaming of a library degree, which I think a lot of us as readers have, you <laughs> might want to check this out. Again, that's Emporia State University's School of Library and Information Management. Okay, news. Let's yeah. see. Where do I want to start? Oh, I know where I want to start. I have awards things to talk about. Yes, this is really exciting. Yeah. So one of the things that happened while we were researching this is I was poking at the Ignite Awards uh, fan art short list of nominations and I was like oh man there are so many good awards out there and then I was like why don't I spend a week doing a deep dive into awards and make a big giant list so now that exists on Book Riot I'm going to leave a link in the show notes it is not I will say it is not comprehensive by any stretch of the imagination there are so many science and fiction awards out there it would be like I can't even imagine how long it would have to be to have all of them but these were the ones that I was the most interested in or that looked like they were worth talking about to me, all subjective. Uh, so <laughs> so you can check that out if you're like interested in learning more about the sci-fi fantasy awards scene. And I had a lot of fun putting it together. I learned so much and I continue to learn because I mentioned that I was sure I would miss some things and people have been kind enough to send in updates and corrections. So I appreciate that. If you have one of those, you can send that to sffia at bookriot.com. And relatedly, the NOMO Awards, which is one of the ones I profiled in there, those are awarded by the African Science Fiction, or excuse me, the African Speculative Fiction Society. They just announced their 21, 2021. I can talk. I swear to God. (laughs) They just announced. Yeah, this is our Friday. They just announced the long list for the 2021 awards. So that list is up now. I'm dropping a link to it in the show notes. And there are a lot of new names as well as some familiar ones. Uh, Mm -hmm. Equeka Emezi is on there. Ilza Hugo, who we've talked about on the show. Lauren Bucus is there. Tade Thompson. Toche Anyabuchi. There's lots of, but then there's tons of new names as well. And that's one of the reasons I love this award in particular is because I always find new authors and artists because they do have graphic novelists as well uh, to follow. So did you take a look at this? I did. And I was, first of all, stunned by this short story long list because I was like, this is basically like if you want to dip your toes into 
um, African short stories in speculative fiction. Like, you could basically have, like, a full-on marathon of short mm-hmm. stories just from this long list because there are so many and there are links to a bunch of them. So I got really excited about this list. Uh, there are a lot of names. There are actually a lot of repeat names, which is really cool to see that there's this much. There's some prolific short story writers out there that I've not come across and mm-hmm. that I feel like I should read right away. But it was very exciting to see also some familiar names on like the novel long list. I couldn't believe how many great books have come out recently and how many of these books I thought came out like a couple years ago at this point (laughs) because it feels like it's been that long. But I thought that this was such a great list and had to sort of back away from putting holds on every single thing because <laughs> I already have a, a giant holds list. There's always room for more, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? Just have it all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this so, is really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So highly recommend you check out the long list and I'm excited for whatever comes next for that awards list. going to be very cool. Yeah. And thank you for putting together that guide. I thought it was fantastic. I was scrolling forever and was like, <laughs> wow, she really got into this. <laughs> I did. I, I think I dropped a note in the editorial site at one point. I was like, so I just hit 3,000 words yeah. and I'm still going. <laughs> and it's not even, I tried to editorialize not too much, but there's just so many awards. And there's, I was trying to like capture details of like, can anybody vote? Like, can anybody nominate? Like those kinds of questions, which are so easy to lose track of, because actually this is one of my takeaways. There's a lot of sci fi fantasy awards out there that you, me, we all can participate in that I just like don't remember or didn't realize. And so and part of being, you know, part of sci fi fantasy and a dedicated reader is that we get to like help shape the community and that mm-hmm. awards lists are one way to do that. So it was, it was very exciting to put together. Yeah. You did a great job. Oh, thanks. Of course. Well, I have some, both of my news picks today are uh, related to film and television. And the first one I want to talk about is a pretty short one, actually, because this comes to us from the rumor mill. But I could not (laughs) resist. I could not resist this news because I've been watching the uh, MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, series that have been releasing on Disney Plus. And Mm. I'm always thirsty for news about what's coming next. And I saw this headline from Sci-Fi Wire, and the story comes from Josh Weiss, and it's about this rumor that came from something completely unrelated to Black Panther about Denai Grita uh, coming back as Okoye for a Disney Plus origin series, and this would bring, you know, Wakanda back to us, Black Panther back to us. And the reason I got really excited about this specifically was because I just finished watching The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Mm. which was the most recently uh, concluded Disney plus Marvel series. And 
there's a moment where the Dora Milaje uh, show up, make an appearance. And I got so excited about that moment, like ridiculous, because it wasn't even like, of course, the the Falcon and uh, the Winter Soldier aren't specific, like they aren't about Wakanda or Black Panther, but I did not expect that um, appearance even though they probably talked about it and promoted it. But I got really excited. And so I immediately started thinking, are they going to have a Dora Milaje Disney Plus series? And Mm. almost immediately when I thought about that, I saw this news and I got like, I, I just hope that this is true. So what happened is that there was a, har- a Hollywood Reporter article about some of the most powerful lawyers in the entertainment business. <laughs> Super random. Yeah. And then there was this this like sort of random line in there that Gurira was not only going to rep- reprise her role as Okoye in the upcoming Black Panther sequel, but also in an origin spinoff series for Disney+. And so, of course, because everybody is watching for anything about these series, like, that news blew up um, and spread across the rumor mill. And now, you know, there's discussion in this article and elsewhere about what that means, whether it's actually just about the uh, previously announced Wakanda spinoff that was already confirmed, or if this is a different series. So I don't care. I just want the <laughs> to come back. And I think that a story about them and multiple stories about them would be welcome. So I'm really interested in seeing what comes of this news. And I really just can't wait to see all of the Black Panther, Wakanda, Dora Milaje content that comes out in the future. Yeah, I confess that the only one of the MCU Disney Plus offerings I've watched is WandaVision. Which I have mixed oh, yeah. feelings about. Like, I really enjoyed certain aspects of it. And then there were mm-hmm. other things that I was like, mm. <laughs> that wasn't what I wanted. But <laughs> understandable. <laughs> that is yeah. fair. You know, it's I mean, it is what it is. Right. And that's fine. Uh, but I re- I did. The thing I really loved about it, I will say, was how it played with sitcom tropes. Like, I thought that was genius. It was the parts that got away from that that I didn't love as much. So regardless. Yeah, that was, that oh, was go a ahead. weird one. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say it was weird. <laughs> it was like two different shows, kind of. Like they they were doing one thing and then they decided to do something else. And you're like, but wait, I really liked that other thing. So yeah. anyway, I have not been watching, but and this will actually feed into our next news item. I would I will 100 percent watch Adora Milaje and or Black Panther continued adventures in Wakanda, like for sure, for sure. That is extremely tempting to me. There's also the new Shang-Chi series that I'm super interested in, even though I don't know anything about that character. So so there is some stuff coming down the pipe, but I I have not I have not been keeping up with the the Marvels. But so, okay, well, and then dive into this next bit because they are, they just recently released a teaser for Marvel Eternals, which is a movie 
if I am reading this correctly. I'm referring yeah. uh, to a piece on them, and it is reported by Nico Lang. Okay, so it's a full-length trailer <laughs> for <laughs> Eternals, which is a movie, as far as I can tell, about, like, demigods slash gods, unclear, unclear, immortals, <laughs> powerful people, played yes. by, you know... Uh, Angelina Jolie and Gemma Chang and a bunch of other amazing, like Salma Hayek is in this. Like what? Um, And I have zero understanding of how this fits into the broader MCU, aside from the fact that they like like, talk about the Avengers in this two minute trailer. Um, But I just, I don't know anything about these characters. I've not experienced them in comics before. I... I know nothing. I am Jon Snow. And this <laughs> comes out in theaters on November 5th. And I'm just like, first of all, I'm excited because it's extremely inclusive. I mean, we've got mm-hmm. queer representation. We've got different races and ethnicities going. Like, we've got, you know, gender stuff going. Like, it's it's very, it looks very interesting. And I hope they do that cast justice in the actual plot of the movie, which is always a question mark. But I'm just so curious as to, like, how this jigsaw puzzle is fitting together. Do you know anything about the Eternals? Well, I do not know how the Eternals fits into the rest of the universe. But I and to be honest, I wasn't sure what to think about this upcoming movie just because I felt so clueless as Mm. well. But Somehow it passed my notice that this is going to be directed by Chloe Zhao. And I just just watched Nomadland and I was like completely blown away by how cinematically beautiful it was. And when I watched this trailer, I was like, oh, yeah, I see. I see Chloe's outstamp all over this movie and I'm getting the chills because of these big sweeping nature scenes and these moments that just like, you know, I think there's something about um, Chloe Zhao's directing that just like it it forces you to take a step back and just like appreciate moments. And Mm. I think that the way this is going to be filmed and directed, like I have a lot of faith in the way this story is going to be told just knowing who's directing it yeah and I thought that it was really incredible that they chose Selma Hayek to play the leader of the Eternals even though the original um, telling of the story was that the leader of the Eternals team was a man Mm -hmm. and Zhao mentioned that it was important to cast somebody to cast Selma Hayek specifically because of this like ageism in Hollywood and how we need to fight against that and to read about how Selma Hayek responded to getting this role and how much it meant to her as a a Mexican-American woman in her 50s. I thought that that was really moving as well as what we're hearing about, as you said, like this really inclusive cast, which also includes its first deaf superhero. Yes, yes. And the first uh, on-screen kiss in this, uh, in comic movies where it's a, um, I, I can't remember the name of the character, um, but they're actually 
married to each other. So it's like a, an actual <laughs> couple sharing an on-screen kiss. I was like, that is like, I can understand why everybody broke down into tears when yes. the, the moment was being filmed. Like, So I'm like reading this article, I got way more excited than I have been about this movie. And I really can't wait to watch it and hope it brings something really different to the whole universe. Yeah, absolutely. I also will say I completely forgot about this until you reminded me that there was this hilarious piece about how the head of Marvel was like, Chloe Zhao, so amazing. She doesn't even use CGI when she makes a movie most of the time. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, (laughs) like, I am dying that that's like unfathomable to this guy. Like, you don't use CGI to make you go on location to film a shot. Like, what? Who does that? Like, everybody does that. But but she isn't. I mean, she's I cannot wait to watch Nomadland. It's been on my my movie TBR for a while now. I know I'm so excited. And it is really exciting that an award-winning director like Zhao is involved in this. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, I guess. Uh, so amazing. Well, I guess we're just talking about comics yeah. stuff all day today somehow. I don't know how that happened. But my next one was about, it's just an update about Netflix's Sandman adaptation. Um, and this comes from io9 from James Whitbrook talking about this newly released news. We had already heard some news about the casting uh, where Tom Sturridge and Gwendolyn Christie were going to headline as Dream and Lucifer, but then they released like a ton more about the casting for the Sandman adaptation. And this is, of course, the adaptation of Neil Gaiman's DC Comics series. This is from way back when for some people. It does not feel that long ago to me, but because <laughs> I was like in my, I don't know, my teens or 20s or something like that uh, when this series came out. Uh, so it's, this cast is huge and it's unsurprising because there are a lot of characters in this series. So we got the news that Kirby Hal Baptiste is going to play Death. I think that was one of the more anticipated mm-hmm. castings. So Kirby Hal Baptiste is going to play Death, um, which is super exciting. And Kirby Hal Baptiste was on The Good Place, which I love so much, and Cruella, which I haven't seen because I don't think it's out yet. Um, but I think that that's going to be really interesting to see. We also have a non-binary actor, Mason Alexander Park, playing Desire. This is another of Dream siblings. And Donna Preston is going to play Desire's twin, Despair. And I thought that it was really interesting that I did not know a lot of these actors. It feels very almost like... BBC, which I mm-hmm. I know some BBC actors who get on rotation on a lot of these shows, but like Doctor Who's Jenna Coleman is going to play Joanna uh, Constantine, who's an exorcist and an occult adventurous for hire from the 18th century, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, and then there are some familiar names. Patton Oswalt is going to voice Matthew the Raven, which I think is 
probably going to be hilarious. <laughs> and Stephen Fry is playing Gilbert, a character I honestly do not remember from the series, but it's been a really, really long time since I read those comics. But you should definitely check out the full cast list because I could probably rattle them off forever, but I'm not going to. There are so many. And I'm just really excited to hear more because it sounds like there are going to be even more surprises based on some hint, hint, wink, winking from Neil Gaiman when Mm -hmm. he was talking about getting um, previews and sneak peeks and everything. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching this. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting. I am looking forward to it as well. All right. Is that all? We have got news. I I think think it is. Wow. How do we get through that? Well, (laughs) before we start talking about fan art and cover art, I'm going to tell you about our next sponsor, which is The Black Tongue Thief by Christopher Buhlman. And this is from Tor Books. Set in a world of goblin wars, stag-sized battle ravens, and deadly magical tattoos, The Black Tongue Thief begins a dazzling new fantasy series. Kinch owes the Taker's Guild a small fortune for his education as a thief. He is working on it. Galva is a knight and handmaiden of the goddess of death. She's searching for her queen, missing since a distant northern city fell to giants. Common enemies and uncommon dangers force thief and knight on a journey where goblins hunger for human flesh, krakens hunt dark waters, and honor is a luxury few can afford. So a bunch of fantasy authors really love this book. Robin Hobb, Nicholas Eames, and Brent Weeks. And the book is described as being full of dark humor, which is something I personally love. And it's going to be laugh out loud funny, especially if you love D&D. You'll probably get the feel of a clever campaign gone gloriously, darkly, and hilariously awry. I just love uh, books that turn really what seem like really dark fantasy topics into darkly humorous stories. So. This sounds like it could be a funny pick if you're looking for some humorous fantasy. So again, that was uh, The Black Tongue Thief by Christopher Buhlman, and that's coming from Tor Books. Okay, let's talk about some fan art and cover art. And I don't know about you uh, going into this, but... I was I definitely had to stop and think about the types of books that get fan art in yes. the first place. Yes. Which I thought was interesting. So did you have any specific approach when you were even trying to figure out which books to 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 look for? Yeah. So I did two things. First, I just started, I like literally typed fan art into the Tumblr search and mm-hmm. away I went. <laughs> but that includes oh, wow. fan art of like any property in the world, right? Like yeah. it's TV, it's movies, it's games, it's Critical Role has a huge fan art community on Tumblr. Um, like there's just all kinds of stuff that I was like, oh, this is not what I meant. And so, so then, yeah, I was like, oh, 
I guess I have to think about, like you said, what kind of books get fan art and what properties do I already know about, you know, that have fan art, which then led me down a few other rabbit holes. But it, it, it was interesting because, you know, you kind of have to do this mental math about like what has both made a big enough impression on the general reading world, right? It can't just be in like reader circles that mm-hmm. that people are drawing art of it. And like I don't want to just do the obvious ones necessarily. Do you know what I mean? It was it was an interesting yes. balance to strike. Yeah. Yeah, I I thought about that too and I I was trying to look for something that was a little bit under the radar, but also recognizing that, you know, the places I see most fan art is in is around YA fantasy. Mm. So that's what took me down, like, the sort of YA fantasy rabbit hole. And also just, like, as I do ahead of any of our shows recently, is <laughs> just, like, staring at my bookshelves and being like... What is something that people would latch on to mm-hmm. or what is something that people haven't heard about? So the first choice uh, for me for fantasy fan art was Children of Blood and Bone because I knew that this was a big buzzy hit uh, when it came out in 2018, I believe. And I think that the reason it was such a big fan art um such a popular book for fan art specifically is because you look at the cover of that book and you're kind of immediately inspired mm. and it features Zelly who's the main character who's this uh black girl who has really stark white hair like she really stands out, which unfortunately, talking about the book is, itself, is a problem in her home of Orisha, where possessing magic is far from okay as far as the ruler of that region is concerned. But Zelly's look kind of also makes her look really perfect for artistic depiction. And I absolutely found a treasure trove of children of blood and bone fan art through this Instagram, which is literally called at children of blood and bone fan page. And it's just a collection of people doing cosplay around children of blood and bone and also fan art. And I had Two favorites from just scrolling through and trying not to spend a bunch of hours looking at everything that was available on this Instagram (laughs) fan page. And a couple of my favorites, which all of these are going to be linked, by the way, so I'm not even going to try to pronounce some of the more creative uh, Instagram, etc. handles, but (laughs) Shoneri and Yingju Chen. They had really, really cool pieces that I wanted to hang on my wall. And I just ended up wanting illustrated editions of this book by some of these artists, not just because uh, I think illustrations should be in every and any book, because I love them. Uh, but you can also find other characters on this 
fan page as well, including, you know, runaway Princess Amari and Zelly's impressive feline steed, Nylia. And I think one of the first times I talked about this book, I mentioned that it had the feel of a video game. And I just think the world building and character descriptions really lended to this artistic depiction and the desire to render these characters in real life. Um, and then for the cover art, I chose a, I, I did a bit of a throwback. I chose Josh Kirby's original Discworld book covers. I took a very different approach to the cover art uh, topic just because mm. I, I was like, a cover art speaks to me in so many different ways. Mm. And I just ended up choosing the first things that came to mind as specific books I maybe was gravitated, I gravitated toward because of the art. Mm. Um, and I went old school because one of the first instances of me being selective about what I chose in terms of book editions were these older Discworld book covers, um, the books by Terry Pratchett. And so I have a few mass market paperbacks with the Jack Kirby illustrations for Discworld books. And I really do not believe, I know for a fact that I am not the only one who specifically seeks out the original Discworld books. It's sort of like the same situation uh, as scary stories to tell in the dark, where people try to pick up the old uh, book covers that have those original really grotesque illustrations. Mm. And there's this really, I don't know how to describe the Jack Kirby illustrations. There's just uh, always... Josh, Josh Kirby, friend. Jack Kirby's a different artist. Josh Kirby. <laughs> Josh Kirby. Sorry. Yes. Um, yeah. So I don't know how to describe it. There are so many things going on in action shots. And there's a lot of like dynamic features to the illustrations, whereas the more contemporary versions of these paperbacks are very, you know, modern and um, they're great in their own right. But I just love these Josh Kirby illustrations that I I gravitate to. And yeah. Then, oh, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, looking at this because I Googled Rococo is the word that comes to mind. Like, they are mm. so extravagant and ornate and, like you said, layered and complicated. Like, they're very dynamic. It is a, There's a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're not everybody's cup of tea because they're not, like, I wouldn't call them, like, pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're, but they're interesting. Yeah. I just like to look at all the little details and figure yeah. out what the heck this story is going to be about based on these illustrations. So I just love those covers. They're they're definitely a, a personal choice, not for everybody. <laughs> um, and lastly, for fantasy, I just because I wanted to focus for fan art on illustrators who maybe aren't making scads of cash off of their illustration and are just doing it for a, a sort of hobby or passion. Um, I just wanted to give a pro shout out to one of my favorite artists of, you know, fantasy inspired 
works. And that's Abigail Larson, who does a lot of fairy tale illustrations and does a lot of uh, magazine covers for science fiction and fantasy. I think predominantly fantasy. I don't think I've ever seen any science fiction stuff. But um, there's a lot of like Beauty and the Beast illustrations and gothic illustrations like based on Dracula. Um, and I just want to climb into her art. So I just wanted to give a shout out. And yeah, that's the, it for me. These are all amazing. All of it. All of it. <laughs> I love <laughs> that you did go old school for the cover art. That's super fun. And I totally, I totally can see it. It makes perfect sense to me. And those yeah. that Children of Blood and Bone fan page is off the charts. Like that is some There's so much going on. So <laughs> much going on. So many good, good, good things. So so fan so fan art I knew from being on Tumblr and the internet that there was loads of Gideon the Ninth fan art out there by Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir, uh, first book of the Locked Tomb series, of which there are now two. Harrow the Ninth is so good. Everybody should read it. Um, But I was like, oh, let me go poke around in that tag, which I highly recommend. (laughs) Strongly, strongly recommend. It is a delight. It was extremely hard to narrow down like just I I set myself the I don't even know why task of picking just one I was like why how will I do this why did I why did I decide that this was a thing I was going to do but ultimately I actually found what was for me a clear winner which was uh ex machina with a k maki is the artist and she she is my pick for this, not only because her Gideon the Ninth fan art blew me away, like, oh my goodness, it's so powerful and compelling, and I am just obsessed, but because also she has done fan art from, like, Yunha Lee's Machineries of Empire, which I am obsessed with. She's done Zen Cho fan art. Like, she has Ugh. done fan art from properties that I, A, would not have thought to search for, right? Like, I, it would not have occurred to me to type Zen Cho fan art into the internet, which is my own failure of imagination, <laughs> clearly, because now I know that it's out there and it's extremely exciting. But yeah, so much good. Gideon the Ninth and and other things, a fan art coming from Maki. I just love how her style is so like it's a little bit it's very realist, um, but she's got her own flair and her own like take on these characters that I just so appreciate. I will never get over this drawing of Harrow the Ninth. Like I just will never get over <laughs> it. Um, especially because she's got these really it's mostly like a blue and white sort of toned art, but then she's got these like blood drips coming off of Harrow's face that I'm like, that is so a- accurate and also kind of uncanny and unnerving. Like, how dare you nail this so well? Like I just can't even stand it. So yeah. I'm super into it. I just want to spend a thousand years in the archive liking all of this art. It's so good. It's so good. It is. I see these uh, mock screenshots, too, that are really cool of Gideon yes. the Ninth, where it's like, why isn't there an animated 
giddy in the night. Right. Like, I feel like Maki could totally do that. Yeah, I would watch (laughs) the bejesus out of that. (laughs) Let's be clear. Um, Yeah, so it's really, it's really cool stuff. And I highly recommend. Check it out. And uh, and then in terms of cover art, the thing that I did was I went on to Edelweiss, which is a like industry cataloging, you know, tool, as it were. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the shortest version of what Edelweiss is that I can come up with at this moment in time. And I, I just narrowed down one of my sci-fi fantasy filters to anything that had been published in the last six months because I was like, what covers are out there that have been blowing me away. Like, I know there are some. And I'm so glad I did it that way because I was reminded of a book that I still haven't read, but that Amanda has been pitching on Get Booked for a little while now, and that this cover, I'm obsessed with this cover. It's The Seafarer's Kiss, which is written by Julia Ember, and the illustrator of that cover is C.B. Messer. And it's very interesting to me because when you go to C.B. Messer's, like, portfolio page, which I have linked, they do work in a bunch of different styles. Like Mm -hmm. there's, you know, some like cool, like, like, excuse me, they did the cover for uh, C.B. Lee's um, Not Your Villain, which is like a very sort of, you know, a little bit cartoony, like, you know, teenagery sort of style. But then there are these really like two color, you know, in covers that are really interesting and then on top of it you've got the seafarer's kiss and the follow-up navigator's touch which are these stunning paper art like compositions so it's you know layered paper uh cutouts making up the whole image and it's they're gorgeous i mean they're just gorgeous i'm obsessed with them (laughs) this is so interesting because we actually at book riot we revealed the how to be remy cameron uh book cover Mm. by julian winters uh and i would never have guessed that the same artist of that cover did the the cb lee books never or the julia ember ones like you if you look at them next to each other you, it's not like with like Maki, I'm like, oh, now I will instantly recognize Maki's style when I see art pop on my dash. But like mm-hmm. I, like CB Messer is working on a whole different level. It's kind of like, now I'm thinking about what this is like. So you know how Sylvia Moreno-Garcia like never writes the same kind of book twice? Like she's just yeah. all over the place in terms of topic and style. I That's what it feels like to me, CB Messer's work is like. Like I'm just continually surprised by like oh that's the same artist like that's so interesting wow that was a good find thank you yeah i cannot recommend strongly enough that y'all go firstly look at the seafarer's kiss cover because i like want to hang it on my wall it's like not only is it queer mermaids you know which is obviously we're here for but it's just beautiful like it's so well done i love paper art oh so so fun yeah yeah Well, for science fiction, I actually had a moment where I had no idea what wouldn't be so buzzy Mm. that it would be like, oh, well, that's such an obvious pick. But then I randomly remembered, because I just recently read Station Eleven, even though it's been out forever, and I was like, what if there's some station 11 fan art out there because there was specifically 
a part of the Station Eleven story that talked about these comics that mm. were a big part of the book. Uh, but sort of like a low-key part of the book, even though it was important. So there was the Dr. Eleven comics that were yes. brought up. And I was like, what if somebody was so inspired by the Dr. Eleven comics that they drew the <laughs> comics or at least some panels? And I was kind of like disappointed because I didn't find a lot. Mm. I did not find a lot. But it was not all bad because... I found some other really great Station Eleven art and specifically around the characters. And so there is one, I went to Tumblr and I found this artist, Snezhka, who did some Station Eleven art and the character designs were so, like, it's that sort of, how do you describe it? It's sort of cute, but Mm. also... Like, it has this sort of pastel look to it that I really have recently been loving. Mm. When I see art on, you know, Instagram and Tumblr, etc. And I just thought specifically one of the characters, uh, Kirsten Raymond, was almost like the spitting image of what she looked like in my head. Nice. So I I was just like completely impressed by this really bright, sketchy looking uh, piece. And I was kind of flabbergasted. And I see this often. And I want to like reach into the computer and pat these artists on the shoulders because they always have like these hashtags like oh well I tried and it's not that great and I'm like this is amazing like this is really good so even though I didn't find a Station Eleven Doctor Eleven comic (laughs) I was really happy to hit upon this one character design and this artist who did such a great job um, at depicting these characters and that book is just so great. Mm. Um, and that's by Emily St. John Mandel. I didn't say that before. But then uh, when I was uh, coming up with something for the cover art, this feels a little cheaty because I have not read this book. But I knew immediately what I wanted to choose for sci-fi because there's this book that's coming out soon. And the whole reason I didn't even read the synopsis of this book I just put it on my TBR specifically because of the cover and (laughs) I just loved everything about it and it's Gear Breakers uh, by Zoe Hanna Mikuta and it's not out until June 29th so not too far away but it's upcoming and the art is by Taj Francis and uh, Taj's website is Taj Chenfold and that is where again I fell down the rabbit hole because there's so much good stuff there. And I just thought that the cover of the book is as cool as it sounds like the story is going to be. So this is a sapphic cyberpunk book, which is something I have never had the pleasure of reading before and cannot wait for. I don't know why this is the first time I've... I've come across a sapphic cyberpunk book, but I'm really happy it's arriving. And it's featuring these giant mechanized weapons and these cruel overlords. And then the gear breakers are these young rebels who take down these destructive windups from the inside. 
And there are these two characters, Eric and Sona, who are kind of star-crossed in that they're on opposite sides of the war. But they, of course, have to come together to take down this destructive force. And I just, this is one of those covers where you just kind of want to be as cool as the cover looks. (laughs) Because the two protagonists look like they're ready to take down the world. And it has this neon sort of Kavinsky, very like nostalgic but modern looking palette. And Taj Francis's website has a few prints. I was very upset that almost all of the prints were sold out, but no. I'm really happy for this artist <laughs> to have that problem. But you have to go to the site and tour around the blog to see these amazing murals Francis creates that, like, I I was just blown away by the level of artistry everything is gorgeous and I'm really glad I went on this journey and then I wanted to also give a shout out to Joshua Mays who while I was searching for fan art I I found this article and Joshua Mays drew an illustration for N.K. Jemisin's Broken Earth trilogy. And this is sort of what made me think about doing the pro shout out because I was like, well, I I, want to choose somebody who um, doesn't do this for a living, but I cannot not talk about Joshua Mays (laughs) because if you're looking for Afrofuturist art, just like look up this name, just look up Joshua Mays and you will be completely sucked into this incredible Afrofuturist artwork, uh, in addition to this really, really stunning illustration for the Broken Earth trilogy that sort of just pulls all of the themes together. And I just want to put out there that I want a Joshua Mays tarot deck. Ooh. Yeah. So cool. I will co-sign all of that. Just all of it. (laughs) All of it's great. All of it's great. I love that there's Station Eleven fan art. That makes me so happy. I know. So for my sci-fi, yeah, I knew in advance because one of the first things I saw on the Tumblr just general fan art tag was that there was a bunch of Wayfarers uh, fan art, Wayfarers series by Becky Chambers, which uh, mm-hmm. The Galaxy and the Ground Within just came out. It's the fourth book in the installment. And so then I was poking around at Wayfarer's art because obviously. Yes. <laughs> and I discovered that Samini Blocker, who like has come up through fan art and now does covers most famously, I think, for Rainbow Rowell, but like is now involved in the, you know, publishing scene as a as a working illustrator for for cover art so I'm like cheating I'm like combining things a little bit here um (laughs) but yeah so 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 she has done some Wayfarers art and I was just like this is her version of Sissix and Rosemary from Long Way to a Small Angry Planet is like my heart like oh my goodness I can't handle it like I saw a lot I I, this is the most popular apparently thing to draw if you're doing Wayfarers art is Rosemary and Sissix which makes sense to me like how can you not want to draw those two because you know Sissix is an alien like a very specifically described alien who's like kind of like a bird lizard creature and then rosemary is from mars and the two of them like spoilers anyway i won't even say but they (laughs) 
This art is so great. And it is, it's like you were saying, like, I'm like, oh, yes, that is exactly how I pictured it in my head. Like, you drew it on the page. There it is. Uh, So, yeah. So, Samini Blocker, you know, does just so much great fan art and now, like, professionally does fan art. But the Wayfarers tag um, on her archive is just, like, it's great. (laughs) It's great is what I want to say about that. I love this. Isn't it I so have good? Not heard. It is so good. Like the art style, like cheers me up immediately. Yes, which is perfect. It's a perfect match for <laughs> Becky Chambers' vibe yeah. to begin with, right? Because those books are cozy sci-fi, right? Like they're hopeful. They're relationship focused. Everybody's like a good person trying to figure their stuff out and making mistakes along the way. And like, oh, yeah. yeah, blockers very sort of cozy feeling cartoon style is a perfect match i think it is extremely satisfying <laughs> so we, we've got links for all of this in the show notes obviously you can see for yourself that i am correct about this <laughs> um, and then hilariously it is true that like a non-small proportion of the book fan art out there is for Broken Earth by N.K. Jemison, which also makes complete and total sense, right? Mm-hmm. That series is so rich and so deep. The world building is so interesting and the characters are so compelling. It is no surprise that folks with artistic talent are out there making art about it. Um, and Paul Lewin, who is my second pick for this category, is on the Ignite Awards shortlist uh, for best art, fan art. And so I uh, was super excited to find his work. I mean, when you go to his portfolio, it's just like, ba-bam, these are yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> really intricate, extremely detailed, but also somehow very dreamy art is how I want to say it. And there's yeah. an interesting meld of like technological details and then fantasy, which I think is perfect for Broken Earth because it does have some science and some fantasy in it to begin with. And Lewin did a print uh, for How Long Till Black Future Month for N.K. Jemisin, which I will also link to in the notes. And it's just so good. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. So, yeah, I am a big fan of I mean, there's there's a lot of great artists out here specifically working in this African futurist, Afrofuturist vein that um, I'm so excited to know. And they all have such different takes on it. Right. Like they like Paul Lewin is doing something very different from, you know, say um, Joshua Mays. And so it's really cool to see all of this work in all of its glory. It is. I love it all. And I feel like inspired and don't know what to do with that. Right. (laughs) I'm like, do I need to like, you know, get a t-shirt with these prints on it and put on a wig? Like, I don't know what to do with myself, but it's so, it's so lovely to see all of this really creative work out there in the world. Yeah, I barely resisted the urge to spend like a bajillion dollars ordering prints to put up in the house. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to have to like develop a budget plan and like give myself like very strict rules about how often and what I can buy because now I just want all of it. I want to own all of it. Me too. We'll work on it. We'll slowly build our collection. Well, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about this and 
we hope that you fall down the rabbit hole, but don't lose all your money in the process. <laughs> <laughs> but that's our show for today. SFF Yeah is sound edited by D.R. Baker. Many thanks to them for making us sound great each and every episode. For more recommendations, you can check us out on bookriot.com, and you can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Thank you so much for listening. You can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. And if you have a minute, please review us on Apple Podcasts to help people find us and to let us know what you think of the show. Uh, where can they find you online, Jen? Yes. So you can find me on the aforementioned Tumblr and also Twitter <laughs> as Jen IRL, Jen with two N's, IRL. And you can find me on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And you can find me on Instagram at Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. Until next time. <laughs>